Hello. Hello and welcome to Shite and Sound, the podcast where two comedians watch one of the masterpieces of world cinema and then follow it up with a critically reviled film that is similar in some way. Maybe they share themes, plot, actors or director. We want to see if counterpointing these two films can bring out some new information or insights. On this episode, we watched number 30 on the Sight and Sound list, Stalker. Andrei Tarkovsky's contemplative sci-fi epic about a group of men navigating their way for a strange and logic-defying area called The Zone. Our second film this week is Eurotrip, a sub-American pie sex farce set in the strange and logic-defying land of American sitcom writers' version of Europe. Straight and sane. Uh, hey, Finn, how you going? Oh, you know, I'm doing fine. I've just seen uh, two great movies about road trips, about getting out there, hanging out with your buds. Okay, and they were? Uh, uh, Paris, Texas. Oh, uh, yeah. And, uh, oh, what's another road trip movie? Uh, uh, Elven of Chipmunks 3, The Road Ship. Okay. Hey everyone, uh, you're listening to Shite and Sound. My name is Yutha Shite. And I am Finn Sound Nicholas. And, and this week, as every week, this is a, uh, a a movie podcast, but specifically it is a uh, films Finn loves yeah. a podcast. The whole structure is that I, Yutha Shite, I don't really know film. I, no. You know, I've, I've seen the biggies, I've seen... Goonies. Yeah, Goonies, Star Wars, uh, that train coming towards the station, mm. and uh, Trois-Color Bleu, uh, and Trois-Color Rouge. I, I don't care for Julie Delpy, mm. uh, 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 so I have not. The one other film I've seen is her, I believe, directorial debut, Two Days in New York. <laughs> um, so I did not watch Blanc. And, and so, yeah... Uh, Finn, uh, last week, uh, showed me two uh, road trip films, the, the Road Chip and Paris, Texas, and I enjoyed both of those equally. E- equally. Yeah, yeah, as, as Finn does. This week showed me two pretty weird. These were pretty Finn. Mm. Like, this is pretty wacky. Because I was like, I love road trip films. Uh, let's complete. Let's complete the trilogy. We've only seen four great road trip films last week: Paris, Texas, uh, The Road Trip, and a week before that, Wild Hogs, <laughs> and um, uh, Pig, uh, The Honeymoon Killers, <laughs> Lock. Yeah. Uh, okay. Good, good joke, everyone. Good punch-up session in the room. So, uh, this week, you will. Uh, I'm going to show you the two greats. Yeah, the Alpha and Omega. Well, yeah, the beginning and the end <laughs> yes. of the road trip film, and you said uh, they're both European films, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, that's great because you know I have a mixed relationship with European films, as, as I've said, watching only. De of Trois-Couleurs. <laughs> um, and, and you said that, you know, these are both, these both kind of 
broke ground. So, yeah, yeah, what you said to me, uh, Finn, is that both of these were groundbreaking films. Yes. They changed the game. And, and looking at... Oh, we should tell everyone. Uh, the first one was uh, the first good video games to film adaptation mm-hmm. on uh, Andre uh, Tarkovsky's... Doom. Do- <laughs> yeah, Doom. And uh, kind of avant-garde anti-comedy and commentary on the uh, over-sexed population of America and and rape culture within that. Yeah, it's it's like a pre-hostile take on, like, Americans abroad in Europe. Yeah, it is... It takes a lot of the kind of scepticism that that Americans hold towards Europe Mm. and and does this really interesting thing of, of flipping it and having Americans behave in a way that is uh, beyond a stereotype. Yeah. And, and it was interesting to pair that with, with Doom by Andre Tarkovsky, who uh, rose to fame as a SEAL in mm. film. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He, yeah. Uh, uh, so, yeah, in, in Andre Tarkovsky's Doom, I think uh, it's a Russian film, obviously. Yeah. He's taken a look at the, the Doom guy's voyage to kill demons on Mars and said, how do I make this more Russian? And he, he does kind of the same thing in that this is almost a parody of, of Russianness. Yes. If I were to, if I were to list the locations that, um, doom was set in, it would be shack rundown bar uh, oppressive plains blasted industrial landscape and uh, a death trap with barbed wire where people are shot at and and let me tell you well, and, and also a, a big tunnel filled with stagnant water it's incredibly Russian to the same degree and I wonder how do you think let, let's start from the beginning so Doom, one of the first uh, first-person shooter games, real, yeah. real, real trailblazer in that field. Yeah, Wolfenstein before it, which mm. was of course recently adapted as Inglorious Bastards. That deserved better, but yeah, but yeah, sweet ass. Cool. I was laughing on the inside. <laughs> All right, fine. You just not. Okay, Finn. Yes. Help me out here. Ow. Do you want to hear my what my other pitch for this episode was? Sure. Was to to make it like Tarkovsky. Lots of pauses. Yeah. The thing about music, Finn, is it can be sweet. It can touch our hearts. But that is false. So Tarkovsky doesn't use much... See, that? yeah, that's what yeah. my impression of, of what this being like Tarkovsky film would yeah, be Yeah, like. and then I'll like, start talking about how you're a fool and <laughs> uh, uh, my life is meaningless and your life is also meaningless and the sooner you accept that your life is meaningless, the more you'll actually be able to do in your life. I don't like you taking the opportunity of this comedy bit to just personally attack. Like, Finn, I know my life is meaningless. It, it's, it's the 4th of January, uh, tw- 2022. Yep. And I'm, a, a fake year that doesn't exist. I mean, I've been having a real weird feeling about time recently. 
How does it feel for you? I mean, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fine romantic comedy. You know, I think Donald Gleason's good in it. I bring this up because it is hard to capture the feeling of timelessness. That, that it feels like we have been trapped in. The idea of last year being a year is genuinely hard for my mind to comprehend. Yeah. It, it, it feels wrong, not in a way of like, oh, that year went quickly, but in a way of like, no, there is a global conspiracy. Someone is turning the clocks forward. Yeah, like, my, my, my like, entire memory of last year is in February, I failed my master's. In August, I did stand-up once. In December, I watched Petite Maman. Those are the three things I remember happening last year. I mean, we podcasted 52 times. We, 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 we did. Yeah. Um, but that is, it is hard to capture, like, that, that distinction of time. And I think it's interesting that a lot of art uh, about uh, lockdown so far hasn't attempted to capture it in, in a literal or, like, sensorial way. Or, or when they have, it's not landed. Mm. And it is, like, it, in, in a way that, like, they're joking that the best, lock, the film about lockdown is The Lighthouse, right? But even that doesn't feel like a twisted moment on a clock. It doesn't feel Dali's melting clocks enough. Right, yeah, yeah. But Tarkovsky's Doom, like... The, this also known by its international title stalker sure if you want to call it that i'm going to use i'm going to use the russian yeah, name yeah. to to praise the source material it, it, which is which is a film about a, a stalker mm. uh who is a there, there is an area in an unnamed country probably russia they don't speak mm. russian a meteorite or something hit and it created the zone around uh, what was formerly a town and is now just a a dead zone, a dead area. And and there are magical and strange things that happen there, or at least we're told. And and this stalker's job is to sneak people in there, to take them to the centre of it, where there is apparently a machine that grants them a wish. And, like, the sense of this is a film, this film is 160 minutes long, there are uh, 150 cuts in it, this is a a, a, a slow film yeah. that, that, but never, like, it, I told you it's, like, mainly about people having a sit and a talk. Yeah. Like, so much of this is just close-ups on people who are lying down having a think. It's sometimes just, like, lying face down on the ground for minutes on end. And when I said that, I was like, this, so has this scene, have we really just been within a sequence which is a man lying down with his eyes shut in, 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 for in 20 minutes? In a puddle. Min- in a puddle for 20 minutes. And you said, nah, maybe 10. But, like, that, like, like, that's the time fuck of it right yeah. like that is that's the weirdness of it and i yeah i think it, it was like a really weird because i've never mm. i'd never really said to the the times in in the past that's right finn i have seen D- doom before but i i thought it was someone put it up on twitch as a joke speed run oh, of, of the game and i thought it was just someone playing some rom hack when I've seen Doom in the past, 
I've never realised that bit, like the temporal games it, yeah. it plays. Like, obviously, it's a slow film, but like the one bit of your intro I disagree with is the word sci-fi. I mean, it's it's it, it is sci-fi in that it is loosely yeah. about a meteorite hit. I mean, weird stuff started happening. Oh, it is, but it it's sci-fi in the way that. Um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Yeah, it's sci-fi in the way that, like, Slaughterhouse-Five is sci-fi. Yeah, yeah, both of which we watched because you considered them a road trip through memory. Mm. Well, he also goes to space in uh, Slaughterhouse-Five. Yeah, but it's... I mean, but there was the collected theme. Like, yeah, obviously. Slaughterhouse-Five doesn't have Mark Ruffalo dancing stoned in his underwear. No, and that's... I really... I do hold that against it. I... I'm really upset that I've been banned for r slash movies for my perpetual... Every five minutes, which is the amount Mm. you can post, posting... Uh, uh, posting a picture of Mark Ruffalo in his underwear dancing uh, in Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind every five minutes until it is added to 70s Vonnegut adaptation. Uh, Slaughterhouse-Five, they got really furious with me. And when I asked why, they just said some normie shit. And and that's why I've I've decided to become a stalker fan. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Um, You're going to take people into the zone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the zone is... What is Auckland's zone... I mean, the park at night, the Central Park. Yeah, at probably night. Myers Park. Yeah, Myers Park. Um, if you like a sense of oppressive fear, I'd, like, don't do that because it's unsafe. You know, watch a scary film. Mm-hmm. Like, um, okay, scary road trip films. Uh, uh, wrong Turn. Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, I just, like... Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, Halloween 4. Mike goes bananas. No. no. Herbie. Yeah. Herbie goes bananas. Uh, Herbie fully loaded. Yeah. What was he loaded with? Uh, Who knows? So I, I, I've, I've heard that... Uh, I've, I've heard from people that the title Herbie fully loaded is not a reference to... Uh, is not a reference to the car being fully loaded... Uh, it is a reference to Lindsay Lohan's boobs. That, 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 uh, that's, uh, that's what I've heard people say. We have a lot of apologising to do to that woman as a, as a population. Yeah. But, so yeah, when I've... Doom to me is, like, so, uh, um, Lawrence Miles and Tatwood make a really interesting distinction... Which is that science fiction is about man's relationship to his tools. And fantasy is man's relationship to himself, themselves, or each other. And I kind of think... I Like, Stalker is not about the tools. And, like, Tarkovsky is never about tools. Lem's issue with Solaris was that it wasn't technical enough and it mm. focused on emotions. Um, in in short, it was uh, the disagreements were much more complicated and nuanced, yeah. and, and, and it's not like they hated each other, but anyway. Um, so there is a moment where someone pulls out a gun 
and the stalker just tells them, no, you got to put the gun down. It's very important that you put the gun down. You cannot, you like, you cannot have tools with you, basically. And so the gun is put down. Or v- 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 there is a bomb later on in the movie, which sort of becomes a plot point, but is ultimately kind of unimportant. And this wish-granting machine is ultimately an idea. Mm. Uh, and, and the like, the sci-fi-ness uh, uh, of of the space is in setup. Like, travelling through it, there are not shimmering force fields. There's not... The, the disturbances and uncanniness of nature that it demonstrates are, are things that they found for real and killed them, uh, as we will, I'm sure, uh, get to. Mm. Um, but like, my long point on that, and like the thing I landed on seeing Doom the second time, is that like I never thought that... Because this film, the first time I saw it, as much as I was like... Oh, what a sweet as Twitch stream! I I thought I've always been really moved by it, and, and and like it's always like the games it plays with expectations, the things it sets up, the way it sets up conflict between yeah the the stalker and the two guys he takes yeah. in there, uh, who both the uh, 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 the writer and the professor, uh, uh, who who are both. Uh, uh, go in to the machine to wish for different things. Uh, I wonder if uh, we will find out about those over the course of the running, the nearly three-hour running time of uh, of the film. And, and yeah, I've always thought a lot about their kind of uh, intrinsic, how human a film this is, and how it is a, like really a drama. Yeah, uh, and how it is. But the, like the thing that just really struck me this time is how it is actually a fantasy film it's my long point the the long way to get here and 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 how it it creates this fantastical world that that is beyond science fiction it is on to like nature being distorted the minds uh uh of men it feels not like a, a a new part of the world but a an unworld the world of fairy an underworld as opposed to like another dimension and that really changed how i felt about it It, in a positive way in that like i i've always been a sacrifice guy i mean in my life you know me yeah i'm i'm bloody martyr but like that i really and i've like always the one time i saw it on twitch i really appreciated this film but it wasn't like I was like, yeah, it is a bit long, though. Mm. But realizing now that, that he's doing this kind of act of, of fantasy, of kind of, of like trying to make things feel magic until literally at the last moment, um, change it. Like, yeah, all the things I, I kind of thought were problems, how uh, for as much as this is a character-centric film, mm. the characters are three types who kind of essentially split off in twos and have iterations of the same argument. Uh, yeah. And then a couple of times get together and all three of them have iterations of that same argument. And, like, it's a fucking interesting argument. Mm. And the argument is, uh, how can we live? And then people being like, I don't fucking know. Everything that's good 
is wrong mm. or a lie, and everything that's real fucks us up. Uh, and, and like, I get that, but I don't need to hear that for two and a half hours, right? Like, sure, I, yeah. Like, oh, I get it. But like this time, seeing it as this, like, as like a fable or like fairy tale, as magic, uh, as opposed to as as Lord of the Rings, as opposed to Starcraft. The reason I've always been pro sacrifice and, and the idea of Solaris is that those are the ones you can get the feeling the most out of, uh, which is not set to not present in his other ones. And realizing that uh, uh, I had, by, by simple misattribution within my mind, had decided to make this film worse for myself. And it just made me appreciate it. I've talked so much. Hmm. But, like, how 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 is it for you? Well, I mean... The like most famous image of Tarkovsky is that picture of him kind of like breathing out and saying poetic cinema, and like that is what he's doing because they are like Russian art films. People approach him as intellectual exercises. Yeah, I have now seen three Tarkovsky films, and he is always so much more interested in in these like weird specific human moments that like play out in silences rather than the big philosophical ideas that sort of surround his films. They are there and they are important. Yeah. But like more than anything, he is a humanist, and he's he's interested in human emotions and how we can all live and how we can create meaning in the world, in in a world which, you know, I think pretty like pretty obviously has has no explicit or or like internal meaning for us. And I I think that like of of the three that I've watched so far, this is the one that I haven't fallen asleep in. And that's because I saw Andre Rublev and Solaris both in movie theaters, yeah. where I'm already kind of liable to fall asleep. I I do think, as I observed to you when you pointed when you pointed that out off mic when we do our brief communications that are not being recorded, um, was that I I think the reason Tarkovsky has gotten uh, a reputation of being boring uh, is one. Uh, the modern world has given everyone ADD yeah. and B uh, cinema seats are uncomfortable because yeah, when I saw Solaris, uh, uh, when we, sorry, when you showed me Solaris, we saw it in a cinema, uh, uh it, oddly in the Paramount in, in, in Poneke, Wellington, uh, uh, and, and, and uh, which has been closed for years. It didn't, it, see, time is, mm. time is strange, right? Like we, Time is getting a bit weird. And then, so what, uh, uh, I, most of my memories of that film are just sitting there, my butt hurting, being like, come <laughs> on. And I very remember, I really remember. Get to the space clones. Uh, 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 the bit where they're, it's like, they're having like zero G, like there's f- one of the floating scenes. Yeah, yeah. And I remember like a minute into this, what I'm sure if I looked at it now, like this beautiful poetic floating shit scene, now that I can sit in a comfortable chair. But I just remember being like, this is going on so long. I hate this so much. And I think that was just because I was in pain. Right, like, yeah, yeah. Because movie, like, some movie cinema seats are bad. And, like, uh, the Paramount was in financial trouble. They couldn't help it. I don't want to shame them for, for things that were outside of their control. The poetic cinema, I've seen that often misinterpreted as saying, like, it's just superficial or surface mm. level. 
uh, and, and that it is like just about pretty pictures yeah. next to each other. But like the the thing of poetry, right, is that poetry is is abstracting language to make ideas clearer. Yeah, and, and his his film wouldn't. His films wouldn't work as poetic cinema, and, and I, I believe they do, mm. uh, uh, without an idea to be clarified. And, and like it is, and it's like the shift. Like the the first time I saw Doom, I was like, the idea you're trying to clarify here, mate, is that like, oh, don't wish for shit. Just have a, just have a, like, uh, actually make real change. Don't don't just wish. Sure, you know? yeah, yeah. Just change, which is like if you were reading, that's like shallow interpretation. But then realizing it's emotional and then being like, oh, fuck, we are all so trapped inside ourselves, even when with with other people. And the best thing we can do is sit in the dark and throw rocks into a stagnant pool like that. Just I was like, oh, the poetry came much more alive Mm. for me. I kind of feel like we've given enough of a pricey of doom as it stands. There's a guy who takes people into the zone this kind of sci-fi magic other world where where things are different, the ground ripples, uh, uh, and for about two hours they they go to a place uh, and then they come back. Yeah. Uh, And it is really not much more than that. And it is about how they talk on the way, you know? Yeah. And But, like, the texture of that journey is so... It feels so, like, it's unique and not just because it is the most Russian thing, but, like, the way he looks at this land. Yeah. And is like, there's nothing. The shots they took around the nuclear reactor or something, mm. um, which eventually killed a lot of the cast and crew. Yes. They all got radiation sickness. It sucks. I think radiation sickness... Yeah, yeah, I'm not a fan. You, 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 you willing to go out on that limb? Uh, I mean, and uh, I, I, I know on, on, on this podcast we 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 usually try not to make uh, social critiques or 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 like political arguments, but, but you're you're willing to say you don't like radiation poisoning? I uh, well, yeah. When you put it so bluntly to me, I'm sure that there are two sides to this. I'm not considering. Obviously, the uh, the radiation. I I I I know we did an entire episode. It essentially came down to the ideas of the carceral state is evil and must be disbanded, and Anita Sarkeesian actually isn't that bad. But uh, I think uh, saying radiation poisoning is not your favorite thing might be uh, going a bit too far for me. I I just don't know. I just I want to see both sides to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to hear from the experts about why. About maybe radiation poisoning purges other toxins and uh, extends your life and yeah. just adds a lot of pain. Uh, from from what I've seen, it, it's it's really good for shedding and renewing skin. Yeah, and I mean, there's some good gross bits in Chernobyl. Yeah, I actually got a degree in uh, radiation poisoning is good. Uh, actually, uh, 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 yeah. uh, from from Chernobyl, you. Uh, the U stands for uranium. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, what did you learn? It was one of those degrees where you just like have to send in a letter saying, I would like a degree. And also I think radiation poisoning is good. And then they send you and you send like a hundred bucks and then they send you back a, a certificate. 
It, so, ca- it counts. So, like, how much time did it take? Okay, so the thing is, it should have been fairly quick, right? Yeah. But, turns out everyone at the Chernobyl uh, post office died. So, I had to go there and, and, and like, return my own letter. It was a massive hassle for me. That... Are you... Is your fervency on the radiation poisoning situation because you have an unstated bias of of having oh, oh, radiation oh. poisoning to have a pre-existing oh, no, condition. It's not bad. It's that uh, it's, it's my father is made of polonium. Oh, God. Like, just nepotism once again ruins everything. Ugh. Um, so, yeah, Tarkovsky. <laughs> we'll give the Dilma Sono excuse in that it kind of feels like for such a meandering film that is about encapsulating everything and nothing, mm. like the three central performances are great. The two yeah. supporting performances, which is like the the guy in the bar and um, uh, uh, the stalker's wife, mm. are, uh, are incredible. And it is like it's such a f- thing of feeling and, and like texture and shape and movement right it is it is genuinely hard to explain why this is good yeah it definitely is and and especially when you realize it's a fantasy it's a it's a fantasy about how hard it is to be alive uh the the zone is death and we're always walking towards it etc etc it's 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 the wizard of oz with existentialism uh, the part of that I disagree. I I I consider the Wizard of Oz an existentialist text because at the end it is revealed that the whole thing was a dream and thus meaningless. All that it and they have shown us all this fancy, like um, flying monkeys and uh, women in positions of power and and men being behind curtains. And, and and then firmly said at the end, but that is false. Get back to working on that farm, Judy Garland. Yeah, you're 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 stuck in Hurricane Alley. You better learn to like it. If I was also, your dog's going to be killed. Oh no no no! Toto escapes from from the basket before the storm hits. Right? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I don't think. Yeah, it's not. I really think I'd remember if Toto died. Because uh, he wouldn't have gone on to record his great songs. Okay, so, Finn. Yes. Stalker. No. Oh! We've jumped a time track, Finn. I. Doom the video game didn't come out until the late 80s, early 90s now, right? Yeah. No, but before. Before it came out in the seventies, and they adapted it as, as as the film Doom by Tarkovsky. But now I just know it as Stalker, an adaptation of the Stalker video game series. Oh. This this is a real Mandela effect. But we've got it. You were you were the one who said it was Doom. Yeah. You were, but and we've got it. Maybe when we listen back to this audio file. Uh, a- anyway, Finn, Stalker. Andre Tarkovsky, is it shite or sound? 
it's uh, I mean, it's 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 real sound. It's, it's fucking like, sound. Yeah. The way this fucking film looks is the way that Tarkovsky films nature and films horrifying, empty industrial landscapes. The way he films standing pools of stagnant water. Just the way he films everything. Yeah. Is 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 so is so incredible and you like even even if you're not fully engaged like narratively or emotionally by the film which is uh, very possible and 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 there are points where i am not it is so worth your time like even just as an even just as a visual experience it is is so incredible and there is nothing that looks anything like it Uh, yeah we should uh, like there's a there's a bit of controversy. Tarkovsky worked with two cinematographers in their first year of shooting on on location. He worked with uh, Georgie Rehberg, who had worked with him on uh, prior stuff. He mm. worked with him on Mirror, um, and, and but their relationship fell apart. Right, uh, either kind of spurred on by the fact that uh, all of the stuff within the zone is shot on color film and it was shot on a new kind of color film that Soviet laboratories misunderstood and so they just fucked all the footage. Right. And and, and they had also shot some of the sepia footage and there there's a debate. There, there, and it is hard to know. There are many good sources saying many different things mm. about how much, if any, of Georgie Leaberg's uh, cinematography is in actually the right. film. Um, but it's worth mentioning him. But he also worked with Alexander Kin... Oh, Russians. I just think you can have... You can all go to your surnames. Just take two consonants out of there. Just two. That's right. I'm asking for him to become... Vadim Vladimir Uyan. Anyway, <clears throat> Alexander Kyazevsky and Leonid Kalashnikov. Oh, depressing that I know immediately how to pronounce that. Um, and what they have done is exquisite work that you cannot. It, it feels like a film that would be good as a series of stills. But the magic of it is how it moves, how the, how this camera drifts and and turns and creeps. Yeah. It, they've done such a good fucking job. <clears throat> Ludmilla Danyova, uh, who is the editor, and I mean, like, yeah, it's got 150 cuts in 164 minutes. How much editing do you have to do? Like, so much yes. more. Uh, and every cut is incredible and also we should mention uh arkady strugatsky and his brother boris who wrote uh the video games that this was adapted from and worked with tarkovsky on the screenplay i just we just didn't mention anyone in the the cast alexander kadanovsky is the stalker anatoly solonitsyn is the writer and Nikolai Grinko is the professor. They're just these incredible performances. Yeah. It, it would be so hard to know how to be looked at by Tarkovsky, where he is so often hiding you or turning you into a body or an idea. And to find ways within that of pl- 
still playing truth of not floating into airy fairiness or abstractness or or intangibility uh, is in- incredible the natasha abramova is the stalker's daughter yeah. which is an incredible young person performance yeah and there is elisa friendlick yeah uh who who plays the stalker's wife who probably worked three days on this film. Oh, in a traditional sense, Tarkovsky loved to work for, for ages, yeah, yeah. doing really long takes and being incredibly uh, precise, add up to things. But in, in what a normal film, she worked three days uh, and gets two of the greatest speeches and emotional breakdowns uh, in film. Is there anyone better at yelling at their husband? Oh, Miriam Margulies in the intro to, to, to Magnolia... That, that's the only competition I can think of. Is Isabella Johnny in possession? Yeah, but that's a different... Oh, no, it's not. Yeah. Yeah, no, okay, those are the three, though. Hmm. No, I, there's been no other wife yelling at a husband uh, in film. No. No. Um, uh, that's... C- c- cinema as a medium largely avoids marital conflict. Well, that's why the hair, the shower cap with hair rollers and rolling pins uh, uh, industry in Los Angeles collapsed. Yeah. Because it just there's only three <laughs> representations of wives. Yeah, I think I agree with everything you've just said. Uh, I think finding a way to engage it and, and trusting that it is emotional... Uh, really opened it up to me in a new yeah. way. And, and, and I think it is great to... And, like, that is kind of inspired by uh, uh, the French Dispatch, which is, like, I, I think the French Dispatch is... Every time we end, you know, there are three certain things in, um, in, in film. One is that Steven Soderbergh has one more film and, and then he retires. Uh the the second is that there's not going to be another before film. Uh, uh, there's definitely not. And then they announce that they've shot it. I'm only adding that in because they do it every nine years. Yep. And it would be this year. Uh, and between one and two, they were like, no, nah, it's nice, but we'll never do a sequel. Mm. And then between two and three, they were like, yeah, I don't really know. And, you know, all the recent interviews where they're like, Nah, I mean, if we had the right idea, but, like, we're different people. Julie doesn't really want to do it. Like, uh, and both times, both Sunset and Midnight, Mm. the first announcement publicly that they are being worked on was that they have wrapped shooting. Right. Just saying. That's all. Where on your list is it? I uh, have not ranked it yet. I'm not fully sure of where on my list would be. I'm guessing probably somewhere in the like twenties or thirties. It's it's a movie I like a lot. Didn't fully emotionally connect with. I think I need to watch it like one or two more times to kind of get the full like stalker experience. I'm in a similar position, but I have placed it already on the list, and it defaults to the bottom. Uh, and so I do have to declare, and this may change, that out of the 148 films I've watched for this podcast, not counting. Shower or Neil Breen's live feature film retrospective and including mm. Force Majeure, Cold Fish and Love Exposure. I have ranked at 147. Now, is, 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 is that your lowest ranked sound film? Well, we've got to do the review before we talk about Eurotrip and I don't want to spoil. 
I know you loved Euro Trap. Yeah, that's why you showed it to me, and I loved it as well. But will we decide if it is sound? I don't want to spoil if the if Euro Trap, the film we both loved, shite or sound. But like Tarkovsky, right? Is such he like he holds such a hallowed place, and like interestingly, his films are so unique and so kind of otherworldly that it there's it feels more comfortable for mm. him being a monolith, right? In that he is this, it is like when you look at these works that are like less films than emanations from it, from from the world of fairy or whatever, uh, um, from uh, the Baba Yaga's house, and it is like you kind of get it. Like, what yeah. else can can you put up there in a way that where you're like, when you're putting Hitchcock up there, you're like, but you have to deal with Hitchcock the man. You know, and because his films are so much about him, and, and which is to say that, like, I don't think there's much controversial in in this film, mm. and I don't think there's much argument against it. I, in fact, I'd be prepared to say, Finn, yes, I will bet you, uh, one hundred thousand dollars New Zealand cash. And oh if, yeah, and if I can't, if I don't have it on me now, I will pay you. Uh, for $500 a week until I've made up that amount that I don't think you could find a single negative review of the film Stalker on uh, Letterboxd. I just don't think that's how confident I am. Hey, uh, Yufa. Yeah. Uh, I found a negative review of Stalker on Letterboxd. No, it's a, it's a fake, though. It, it, but so it's this not. This is a half-star review of Stalker by Andy! Exclamation mark. Oh, great to hear Great to hear from Andrew! Uh, what did I just watch? <laughs> I'm guessing these three guys wanted to make a low-budget film, and they did so by walking around different abandoned industrial buildings as they Fuck talk it. nonsense to each other. Oh my the cinematography God. was rather impressive here and there, but I couldn't keep myself awake long enough to enjoy it. It's just so, so slow. I desperately wanted to watch this film in double speed. Whatever philosophical or religious statements they were trying to make was crushed under the immensely slow resolve of the film. They tried really hard at being profound, but all the but all they got was indecipherable and exhausting. The last shot of the film with Monkey, the daughter, is a prime example of what this film has to offer you as a viewer. Monkey lays her head on the table for five minutes with zero action or dialogue. Finally, something strange starts to take place. The drinking glasses begin to move on their own. It is assumed the girl is moving the glasses with her mind. Then a train goes by while playing Ode to Joy. Then five more minutes of a slow zoom on Monkey. The end. So the most interesting thing in the whole movie gets sandwiched between the longest running cuts where absolutely nothing else happens. At this point, I don't even care that the child may have special abilities, or that the supposed zone is real. I just want the long and boring movie to be over. Uh, There are some comments on this. Very honest and genuine review. Loved it. Yeah, people... I just think people need to trust it intention. I, I think people need to 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 look at art and say like this this is a decision. Yeah. Uh, uh why am I sticking with this? What am I thinking about? And and like yeah, there are cases where people make long films just to be boring. Yeah. But Oh, I don't know. It just is so strange. It's because so many, you know, to break the bit, 
you read me many, many options of bad reviews. Mm. Uh, uh, and he, uh, and to be clear, we still don't know what the top fours are. That's not that's not a fiction. But um, I mean, anyway, uh, the top. Uh, and so many of them are just like people who are just like, this is fucking boring. And it just seems so crazy to me in that, like, the thing of Tarkovsky, the first bit of Tarkovsky I saw is the candle bit from... Nostalgia. From Nostalgia, which is a four to seven minute long single take of a man trying to carry a candle... Uh, across a pond yeah and and it keeps going out so it keeps going back all the way to the start and relighting the candle and it is deliberately monotonous Mm. and boring and frustrating and i was shown this uh uh, as part of a short lecture series on how to watch a film yeah And, and the the interesting thing was and i was like a quite young and shitty person even then, I felt like the magic of it. it. And it was... I just... And it feels so indisputable to mm. me that, that even if sometimes I'm like, you're getting a bit shallow here, uh, uh, Andre. Like, it's so clearly something more. Yeah. And, th- and that feels so real to me that other people not feeling it, I guess is kind of what, like, how people with deeply held like religious views feel about unbelievers. It's just like, but like, look, like, but like, look, yeah, <laughs> like, but yeah, those five minutes uh, of her on the table or with that score building and whirling is like gripping, like, yeah. and, and, and then and then the train goes past and it plays Ode to Joy, and you're like. Oh, is this the best use of Ode to Joy in a film? So, Yufa, would you like to guess Andy, exclamation marks, top four films? Do I have it, like... No. Okay, no, sorry. The first film uh, is from 1971. Okay, so the first film? Uh, like, Trip to the Moon. Uh, the Kelly Gang. Great, great, yeah, great yeah. stuff. From 1971. Okay. If, if the people who are mad at Licorice Pizza saw this movie, they would uh, lose their minds. Oh, it's Harold and Maud. It is Harold yeah. and Maud. And uh, the real thing we should be complaining about Licorice Pizza is the fact that Sean Penn is uh, in it. The second film on the list. Uh, it's another film that people commonly uh, refer to as a sci-fi film, but kind of really is more of a fantasy. And at the end is made explicit that it's a fantasy. Sunshine? Uh, no. Uh, decade. Uh, the eight E's. Luckily, there was not a lot of sci-fi in the eighties. Is it? Is it American? Uh, yes. You uh, a U.S. joint? Would you call it? It's an American and English co-production. Brazil. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the whole thing wasn't a fantasy, but well, well, it depends what cat you're watching. The next film is. Uh, it is an animated film by a person who doesn't usually make animated films. Is it Wes? No. Okay. Is it American? Uh, yes. Uh, 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 it has uh, the... Oh, Rango? No. Okay. Uh, it, uh, it it has the director reuniting with a star uh, uh, from an earlier film of theirs. I'm still hearing Rango. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is someone who uh, hasn't really been in that many films outside of the, the two films they did with this filmmaker. And one was live action and one was animated. Yeah. And the filmmaker has made other films, though. Yes. Okay. All right. 
uh, decade. Uh, this is from uh, the early 2000s. Is it good? Uh, I haven't seen it. People seem to like it a lot. Do, uh, th- th- do you think I would? Does it seem like the kind of thing I would uh, like? You have given it a heart on Letterboxd. Oh, God. Is it hate? This is a guy we've talked about this episode. Talk about so many. Finn, like, you see how I added to the text a list of every film recommended? Mm-hmm. That took so long. I mean, I did it as I was going, oh, okay. Oh, where the wild things are? Uh, no. Uh, okay. Oh, uh, Waking Life. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Good shit. Wiley Wiggins, Mm -hmm. star, also one of the animators. Yeah. Yeah, on the DVD, there's a great animator's commentary. And just make sure... As you listen to it, that you do look up all the articles uh, about how much uh, uh, Linklater and Warner's are fucked over that animation studio mm. uh, while making Scanner Darkly. But anyway, uh, and the fourth film on the list, uh, I mean, it, it's one of those films that had the idea of uh, let's get two of the most compelling people in film and lock them in a room together. Passengers. <laughs> No. Oh. Sleuth. Uh, no. Okay. Although it is more like Sleuth than Passengers. The Disappearance of Alice Creed. No. Okay. Um, do I like it? Yeah. It's another movie you've talked about this episode. Fucking lot? No. God damn it. So, in, in Passengers... The two, the two main characters have sex. The two main characters in this do not have sex, but it seems it kind of seems like they might at some points. A lot, lot, of, lot, of, lot of weird chemistry and tension going on in this. So is is it a before? No. Uh, okay. Because anyway, uh, I thought that was a very subtle reference to how about twenty minutes of Before Sunset is a conversation about whether they had sex in the first film. Um. Anyway. Uh. Oh. Okay weird tent and it feels kind of is it real time no no uh, so it's not just two people in it no but 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 but, but mainly yeah but it's not it, the cast list isn't two uh the yeah no the the, the, the cast list is two the, the, it's, it's just sometimes then they're, they're not in that one room it's so obvious right can you give me me an elliptical can you tell me who's number seven on the cut no, no. Mm-hmm. um a decade 2010s america so okay so partway through the movie there's a thing that happens to a bird i i hate yeah I'm, and, what and, I was, and then yeah. at the end of the movie you're like oh the birds are getting their revenge i the thing i was about to say before you gave me that clue or was that I? The thing is, I can't really ask for any more clues because I'm sure that any more clues will make it obvious, mm. and I kind of want to work it out on my own. Right. But also to be clear, we would have been talking for ten more minutes before I arrived at the obvious answer that it is. Let's do a fake out answer now. The lighthouse. Yes, it's the lighthouse. The birds. It's the Dimmock. <laughs> Got you. Great, great I'm going to cut out my initial one. You, you idiot. Okay, so. Uh, hi, uh, just realised, uh, uh, before we talk about uh, Eurotrip, a lot of the humour in this film <laughs> is either 
gay panic or sexual assault humor. And, Sometimes and, both. And and to be clear, when we say sexual assault humor, the joke is people being sexually assaulted. It is outside of the bit disgusting. Yeah. And, but genuinely to discuss this film, like if we weren't discussing those things, we would genuinely have maybe three scenes to talk about. Maybe zero. Yeah. And it is so we we have to talk about those things. It we're not gonna you know do with that information uh what you will. We just we're just we're about to say rape a lot and that is because we want to express the gravity of how misjudged this film is and not because we think it is funny to say rape a lot of times. Yeah. When we first started this podcast and you were like, okay, I want to do a run where I show you all my favorite road trip films. Yeah. Uh, and you were like, we're, we're going to watch so many good ones. Paris, Texas, Anomalisa, um, On the Road. But we're going to build to the piece de resistance. Yeah. The, the one. The, 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 the film that ended the road trip genre. Uh, and, and also like a film that that really looks at society mm. and gives it an askance glance yep. and really a, has... A film that's not afraid to take on sex, religion, yeah. drugs, uh, airplane travel. Uh, sex work, mm. um, uh, homophobia. Yeah. Uh, when... When Lucy Lawless straps you to like a crucifix thing and attaches electrodes to your balls. Yep, and then gets people to rape you. You said to me, Eurotrip unpacks social norms and mm. the assumptions we make about about entertainment and each other, and it does it by being a riotous and, and perpetually uh, unfolding and reinventing itself a bawdy comedy. Yeah. And, and I have to say, having recently seen it, I like, not only do I agree with you, I'd go further. Yeah. I think this is the pinnacle uh, of cinema. I think these three uh, writers who met on Seinfeld being like, oh, fuck it, we could write an American pie churning out a script, then directing it together, but because three people can't be given a director's credit, just picking a name from the three of them. Oh, okay. Uh, and, and and just directing it in a way where you're just like, you're just, you're just fucking, like, just, just beans on toast on a plate, and you're like, do I have a fork? Do I have a spoon? They're both dirty. Like, no, so you, you have to lick it up. Yeah, and you do, and like like a greedy little boy. Yeah, well, well while your mum's shouting at you, lick up the beans, <laughs> lick up the beans. And um, okay, oh <laughs> uh, okay, uh, no, 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 uh, uh, no, <laughs> no, no, no way. It's when my mum yells at me to lick up the beans. She says. I didn't bake those fuckers for nothing. <laughs> okay, so let, let, let's let's talk about like what 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 did you know about Eurotrip before you started watching it? 
I knew that it existed. Yeah. I knew that those three guys made it. Right. I knew that Michelle Trachtenberg was in it. Yeah. I, that's possibly it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so before I started watching it today, uh, I knew that it was a road trip movie where some people went to Europe. Oh yeah, I did. I did. I do have basic deductive yeah. skills. I could work that out. Yeah, I uh, assumed for a long time that it was a sequel to Road Trip, but it's not explicitly one. It's just right. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I uh, I also knew that Michelle. Uh, I also knew that Michelle Trachtenberg was in it. Uh, I knew that Matt Damon had one scene where he was uh, where, where he was the singer of a band, and they sang a song called "Scotty Doesn't Know," uh, and that and that's about it. Yeah. It's the final day of high school. Uh, Scott Thomas is uh, the blandest leading man in any high school sex farce movie. Does not have the charisma or personality of Jason Biggs. Dude's got nothing going on. What, what, what was the actor's name? Uh, I could not tell you. Yeah. And, and I think we should stress that that it is... Yes. Yeah. Okay. This the the blankness of this man, the the fact that he is yeah he's what if Drake and Josh stepped into the machine from the fly yeah and like the blankness he asks you know Scott McCloud's idea of cartooning we project ourselves as that he is like the perfect neutral lead you know he's just yeah. he's just the middle yeah so he he is played by an actor called uh, 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 so he is played by an actor called Scott Melkowitz uh yeah who just brings uh, nothing to this role uh, he has uh, uh, he he's got a goofy best friend uh, called Cooper Harris who is also one of the least interesting goofy best friends in a high school movie i've ever seen played by Jacob Pitts and uh, uh, on on the final day of school just after graduation uh, Scott's girlfriend Fiona breaks up with him uh, uh, in, in, in quite a brutal fashion, uh, telling him that uh, she's been cheating on him the entire time they've been together, uh, and uh, but just like break, breaking up with him in front of his family while he is being filmed on video. Uh, she is played by Kristen Crook, who was on Smallville. Yeah, she was on Smallville, yeah. and uh, she was uh, one of the stars of, well, I, I believe she was a V-star of Street Fighter, The Legend of Chun-Li. Ah, yes, I believe she played uh the street yeah yeah he gets broken up with he's uh devastated about it to console himself he goes home to uh, he, he writes an email to his german pen pal uh mike who he started talking to as part of an assignment for his german class but he decided to, to keep up the relationship because he enjoyed talking to this person yeah uh, this this man this man well, mike. well and there's nothing and it's a classic premise mm. right letters written across time in a pistolary film yeah but at least you know the breakup was her just you know on the day of graduation being like oh you're so nice but it but it's over there's no there's no real tragedy yeah in it you know yeah and and so uh and and so that night him and cooper go to a uh they 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 they, they go to a graduation party which is a it's a raging kegger at some guy's house oh yeah it is Ev- everyone's drinking everyone's going wild uh a lot pe- people are making out everywhere uh cooper uh, is through some bushes to uh, spy on a bunch of uh, topless women in the sauna next door and then uh, goes and jumps in the sauna with one of them and uh there's a very just an incredibly long bit where 
Uh, she, she's trying to cover herself up because she does not want him to see her topless. Yeah, yeah. And and she's trying to get out of the pool. I mean, he, and he keeps saying, "You got something just there. You, sh- you should you should clean it off." And so, and, uh, and he and there being on her breast. Yeah, and yeah. and so he he like he is like tricking her in, into like uh, in, 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 into like into like massaging and like pinching her breasts and stuff for like five minutes. The scene goes on for so long. Yeah, and it's not funny. It's ju- like it's just. And it's just it's just perfect. And because we watched the unrated version, mm. we got to see the version where the woman is actually topless. Yeah. In 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 the rated version, uh, she was wearing a bikini right. through this, and so we got to see the. And I think unrated is always the way to go. Mm. And so we got like this symphony, which really unpacks like the male gaze, right? Because it is the scene. Of a man callously manipulating a woman, mm. presented ironically uh, uh, within a film that 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 luxuriates uh, in the male gaze, uh, mm. ironically, and, and it is within like these three men uh, uh, have have written and are directing a scene where another man uh, forces a woman to expose and manipulate herself, yeah. and, and clearly. They're asking us to like look at the complexity of all of those connections about, and I think that's really. It made me reflect a lot on what we accept from um, actors, yeah, and, and how much control we just let them have, you know, by fiat. And there's a band playing. Yeah, so this is happening in parallel with the scene of Cooper in the in the hot tub, and. There is a band at this kegger, and uh, the lead singer of the band is, wouldn't you know it, it's the King of Cameos, it's Matthew Damon. Yeah. and uh, he, One of the earliest yeah. Matthew Damon cameos. Like all Matt Damon cameos, uh, uh, evil. Uh, just, uh, just a sinister, unpleasant person. He's not bad guy in an unsane. Okay, unsane is one I haven't seen yet. That's the exception that proves the rule yeah. as well. He's got a bunch of like neck tattoos and like piercings all in his face. Yeah. He's just a, yeah, a bit, he's got he's got a he's got a shaved head. He's just very this very like this very like aggressive looking like kind of shithead dude. Uh, so he he says you know in in front of everyone at this party, you know I I, I want to sing a song now. About about the the like the wildest sex kitten I've ever met. Yeah, she's Mark. called she's called Fiona. Yeah, and then Fiona Scott's you know uh, Scott's former girlfriend runs past him up onto the stage of his party, uh, uh, and she, she she starts making out with him, and then they stop kissing. He says. Uh, he he says you know like ha- ha- happy anniversary, and then. Uh, and he says, like, uh, "Now th- th- this is a this is a song called Scotty doesn't know." And then they go into this uh, really fucking good song, yeah, and like, which is all about how she was cheating on Scott with her, w- with w- him, yeah, and, and and it is man, like I have to tell you that as someone who loved the rest of this <laughs> film, this scene with its interesting juxtaposition, it's it's strong comic viewpoint yeah. and great execution and, and like the absurdist comedy thing of how it extended far was like the one black mark against the film i have to say yeah it, it, it is just this, this, this like the, the 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 like rest of the film is so heightened in in, in a way that like i, I think 
usually doesn't hit. Yeah, but, it but, doesn't quite land. Yeah, yeah, but like this scene of the most like stereotypical like shitty awful guy that your girlfriend could leave you for singing a song to everyone you know about how your girlfriend was cheating on you your entire relationship while your girlfriend is on stage like stripping and dancing with him is such a like good and funny like heightening of the like feeling of being dumped yes. and just and just like the, the like everyone knows that i'm a fucking loser everyone feels bad for me but, but they're also making fun of me everyone else is like fucking and having a good time and i'm just alone like it's 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 such a it's such a funny like mm. it's it's such a funny heightening of that feeling and matt damon's doing doing a great job uh, yeah i think he's probably lip syncing i don't think that's actually yeah, him no, no no he is it's yeah. the, the vocals are credited to someone else yeah, yeah. but 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 yeah it's 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 a it's a it's a great like physical performance from him uh, Kristen Crook is really funny in that scene, really playing up the like sex pot nature of, of her character. Yeah, they just they get they get the joke. Yeah, like like they get and play the joke. Yeah, and, and that's and, what makes it so disappointing to me. Yeah, and it, it, it is like the, the like one scene of a film which really really lands its joke, and 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 you just kind of spend oh no okay there's, there's, there's like a couple of bits with Vinnie Jones which are which are pretty good, but they don't like. The the, 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 yeah. the the thing I like with the bits with Vinnie Jones, the reason they're real anti-comedy masterpieces uh, to me is that they contain a lot of quite good concepts mm. for jokes, but then they are deliberately, with oh, one exception, yeah. the bus on yeah. the, the road, uh, you know, just executing them a little off yeah. to, to really drive home about how this kind of era... Uh, uh, of American filmmaking was very much about having rough ideas and then just being like, that's enough. And then just churning it out the fucking door. Like in, 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 in at this party, we meet um, Scotty's other friends, the twins, yeah. uh, Michelle Trachtenberg, who, who as co- uh, Jenny. Yeah. Who, who Cooper, definitely is not romantically interested in she's just one of the boys yeah he gets and, and that point is driven home about 15 times of a movie where cooper will make a remark about like women and then she'll say oh well i'm a woman and he'll say no you're not you're one of the guys yeah or, or an equivalent of that yeah and i think that the 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 way it so tectonically teases that that they will inevitably come together uh, uh, by drawing it and making it so obvious is really the first of several moves where they start disassembling uh, just the shape of modern cinema and building it into something new, yeah. something better. You have to expose the brickwork before you can um, paint it. Um, and in this scene, they also meet Jamie, who is Jenny's twin, and he is played by Travis Wester, who, again, is like really not bringing a whole lot to the kind of like awkward nerdy friend who they bring along with with them all three of the male leads in this movie are kind of just playing the same character he's a bit more awkward than them and like and like cooper is a is a bit is a bit more like kind of loose yeah he's trying to be he's the stifler right yeah but yeah it doesn't even do as good a job at differentiating them as american pie does which like develops distinct archetypes for each of the guys and then like gives them things to do within that yeah and and this film like never like it it it, it can't even it can't even copy the american pie archetypes effectively and, and, and it ends up like michelle uh trachtenberg ends up kind of looking the 
best as a performer yeah. and, and that is probably because we don't have another generic woman to judge her against sure because she's so you know just one of the boys oh no one ever notices me it's like to just default second female protagonist yeah. you know like I mean I mean she she she's also like done more than any, than any of the rest of these guys like she she'd been in three seasons of Buffy by this point so uh, Scott gets drunk at the party and uh, he comes home and he sees that there is a new uh, there, there is a new email from Mike his German pen pal and Mike says oh hey I was really sorry to hear about your girlfriend breaking up with you you know I was thinking of coming over to America soon maybe we could meet up and he gets scared about this because uh no, because what? of gay panic um, Mike uses a word that says, like, let's meet up and make out, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, and, and so in a in an excoriating expose on, on homophobia in America. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, uh, he, he sends back an email uh, uh, that is entirely in English. That, uh, uh, up until this point, their correspondence has been in German. But he sends back an email in English saying, stay away from me, you sick German freak. Don't, don't come near me or my genitals. Uh, and he sends that off, and then uh, and then uh, uh, and then falls asleep in a in a drunken stupor. Where we meet Mike sitting in their apartment, receiving this email, this mean email about how they're a pervert, and and it turns out Mike is not a man at all. Yeah, he's a she. Once again, the very notions of gender yeah. and language. It turns out this gross German male pervert he thought he was talking to was actually a female German pervert. <laughs> Female German pervert is, uh, I don't know, like, complete joke here, you know, like, there's so many. Yeah, yeah, it's my favourite garage rock album, I guess, like, anyway. Yeah, it's my favourite Fall album. God. Uh, Yeah, yeah. so, so, yeah, there's a scene of her receiving this email, and then she gets mad, and she uh, blocks his email address. Yeah, and and so they cannot communicate. Yeah. And, and, And he wakes up. And his, his younger brother is there, and, and to just really underline the artificiality of child performance, mm. you're tricking children, and they have decided to just, it seems, not direct this child who mumbles half his lines, some of which are jokes, and it just, it just we just churn, it just churn through it. Yeah. And he's like, no, you idiot, you German learning idiot, Micah is a girl's name in Germany, the place you've been studying in your final year of high school, a common surname, first name. Mm. Uh, anyway, and he's like, oh, no, go send an email, it's blocked. Oh, no. And, and so he, he talks to Cooper, and Cooper's like, all right, so let's go to, to Berlin, Alexanderplatz. Um, and so they get a job as as couriers to yep. take some things over there and i'm like this is interesting this is an interesting like narrative frame it's another f- point of tension absolutely that that they they'll have these packages they have to deliver on the way yeah but then there's a cut and they're in london and they've delivered the packages and the song in the city by the jam plays and at that point i was like oh man the second good song in the movie this this thing's this thing's this thing's kicking it's great yeah, and it is it is that subversion of expectations that this film would continue ideas beyond a single scene that really puts it alongside the avant-garde, puts it shoulder to shoulder to cut Tarkovsky. And, and yeah, in, 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 in Mary Old England, 
in London, they they bump into the thing you would find the most in London, a large group of Manchester United supporters. Yeah. Uh, led by one Vincent Jones from Gone in 60 Seconds. Yep, from Soccer. And, and Snatch. Mm-hmm. Football Factory. Uh, Midnight Meat Train, seeing that. Pretty sure he's in that. X-Men The Last Stand. Uh, Age of Dragons. His skin. Yeah, you know, no, you're right, he is in that. He is in his skin. You got me. Anyway. <clears throat> and, and, like, this is the scene we're talking about where quite a lot of the premises of some of these jokes are quite funny. Yeah. But in execution, they, they fall out. And kind of in underlying how the British and American senses of which, you know, to an outsider uh, uh, is a tyranny of small differences and is basically amounts to people saying, like, we use slightly different tones of voice when we're being sarcastic. Mm. Uh, uh, it is really underlined here. And I think that it's really interesting how we we stay in this moment they end up drinking with the fans yeah they end up uh, on a on a bus going to uh paris yeah to to see manchester united take on uh and it will meet a lot of colorful characters uh people with bad teeth yeah uh, uh drunk people yeah violent people it's nice to see like it's a real commentary on stereotypes yeah. i think and and the fact that it's doing nothing with them at times it feels like it might subvert them but it it doesn't mm-hmm. i haven't felt such a trenchant unpacking or racial bias since um a green book yeah yeah another film we both loved before i saw that movie the only green book i liked was uh was by dr seuss um so while in paris they meet up with the twins yeah we we knew the and they, like, join in on the caper, and then they're like, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go to all these places. Let's go to... We, we, we're going to have a Euro trip. Yeah, yeah. Let's go to, to to Amsterdam. Let's go to other places they go. Yeah, do they go somewhere else? Oh. They say Denmark, right? Yeah. They pass through Brussels. Anyway, they, they go... It is the slurry... The way it presents plot is just this shapeless set of events where each scene just merely exists to point you to the next scene. Or or to make you think that you might see Michelle Trachtenberg's boobs. Yeah. Um, is... I... When, when Tarkovsky expressed the feeling of being lost mm. uh, uh, in, in, in lockdown better than anyone else, I... I didn't. I I thought that not knowing that I was going to watch you, just absolutely captures what it is like to be trapped inside your own mind, mm. being tortured with no limits um, of reality in any direction. Yeah, but but, but like it, it is that. But it's also a movie about like, yeah, no, lock, lock, lockdown's fine. Why why would you want to travel? Going anywhere else, like go, going anywhere else, is awful, and all that's going to happen is you'll end up making out with your sister. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but they got that. In, 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 there's a lot of gags in uh, in Amsterdam. Yeah, the bloody writers of this movie have had a field day with our cultural perceptions of Amsterdam. Yeah, uh, and, and 
I it's, like it's a it's an entire city that's just one big red light district. And like just this morning, I watched Paul Schrader's second film, Hardcore, which takes place largely in in Los Angeles, San Diego, and San Francisco, and it presents all three of those cities as giant red light districts where sleaze and vice are the only things that exist. Those are like the defining elements of modern life in those cities. And uh, that movie does a really good job of that. And uh, this movie, where it says Amsterdam is one giant red light district that is defined by only sleaze and vice, uh, I think does it uh, does a really bad job of that. Everything feels fake and like heightened in a really boring way. You yeah, know? it's changing your perception of time. Mm. It's, it's allowing... You you have to feel, you have to disconnect so that when you look at the sequence of like Cooper being uh, just assaulted by Lucy Lawless, oh, while on the train, they're all implicitly assaulted by an Italian businessman played by Fred Armisen, mm-hmm. uh, which is, I just think, an interesting scene in, in, in that it introduces this idea of like comic mishap. Mm. Uh, and then it like jars you by a mean like oh you thought something funny was going to happen when they went through a tunnel and got done no he raped them all he he, he raped all of them <laughs> and uh, then he's going to go into another room and do it to other people uh, he recurs several other times throughout the film yeah he's well, this he, great he, he, hum- he comes back one more time in the film and then. In the credits, they show a deleted scene where he where he came back a third time, which we uh, sadly didn't get to experience. Yeah, heartbreaking. Mm. Uh, I would really like to have seen how what their full vision of 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 ex- this uh, ra- rapist Italian uh, man. Yeah, it, and, and how because presenting that is funny mm. when obviously to to do that sincerely, even in the year two thousand and four. Mm would be uh uh at best something you shouldn't do yep. and at worst be like m- maybe a crime that you should go away for yeah and and it is i yeah during this the 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 brother of the twins uh uh uh, goes to buy some film for his like a camera, yeah. and uh, uh, the 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 camera shop person who works at the camera shop uh, is attracted to him, and so decides to give to 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 give him a blowjob in a, in, a, in an alley. What because it's Amsterdam? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, it what is kind of blowjobs? <laughs> you know what I mean? God damn it, fellatio. fellatio. God, I'm so so. You know, what is kind of lingers for blowjobs. Uh, but this he, is my, my second favourite Fall album. <laughs> he, he also, um, but he's robbed during this. Yeah, he, uh, he's robbed by Dietrich Bader. And, and so he... Because is, it's a comedy movie set in Europe. Yeah, you got to have Dietrich in yeah. there. Uh, the world was still voting for Pedro, so you got to have some Bader. Mm-hmm. You know the second uh, inspector, live action inspector gadget. Uh, he, uh, but while he is being robbed, he does not want the fellatio to cease, mm-hmm. and uh, so he starts to say things that could be both interpreted as like being like, "I'm enjoying this sex act," and also, "Yes, don't please just take my money." Yeah. You know? and that is, I think. 
like on paper almost a good idea mm. but it doesn't in execution it doesn't work largely because it's not funny no and it feels weird tonally for this character who has been uh represented both before and after this moment as a real prude mm. but this showing us so blatantly it, like there is a sequence where we're in in france where Scotty fights a um a robot man mm. and it's a sequence that has some good ideas to it if they directed it well it would have would have been funny but it is that is a scene that could easily in fact would make more sense for it to be cooper yeah and 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 and, and, and like at, at the end of the film there is a callback to that joke with Cooper, where he gets angry at like, at, yeah. where, where he gets angry at another living statue guy, uh, and, and so just calling, calling to mind that it's like all of these, like my my like like kind of what it seems like happened is that scene was supposed to be for Cooper, and then that actor like I don't know like sprained his ankle the day before they shot it, and so like okay we'll just we'll just have Scotty do it. Or, or the other actor was like, I don't have a really big funny bit in this. Yeah. Michelle Trachtenberg gets to eat fries, pretend to be high. Yeah. And I get to pretend to be high, but she gets to pretend to be, like, high and crazy. Um, they, they, yeah, they, they eat brownies that they think have weed in them. Uh, yeah, they start, they start acting crazy. And then the Dutch Rastafarians tell them there's actually no marijuana in that. Sit down and put your clothes back on, you dumb white kids. So what... <sighs> Which I've got to say is, is, is one moment where, where, where the movie was ahead of Yufa. Because when they, when they bought the weed brownies in, in, in the cafe, Yufa was like, you can't actually do that in Amsterdam. They're getting it wrong. Just, just look it up, guys. Google exists. Um, and then the reveal of the scene is that they didn't. Well, I, I do think there is... I, I have two points to make. One is that by this constant reminding of the audience that these characters have... There's no real continuity between them. No. That they're within themselves, that they're, they're just doing whatever the scene requires of them. Continues this Vifrim Dunst effect, which separates the audience from the object so we can really look at what it's saying about how Americans view the world, about, about gay panic, and about, about, about sex. And, and I think that's really interesting. The, the, the thing uh, uh, on, on the topic of the brownies... Mm. It is like uh, Vinnie Jones mentions, as I said, why would they meet Manchester United supporters in London? And mm. that's because Vinnie Jones has, has one line going like, we're a private members club for all the, the fans in London. Yeah. And, and like that ending to the brownie scene, um, feels like the writers being like putting a bandaid on it, being like, we know, we know. Yeah. And I like when, when, when the writing is that transparent, when, when the writing, um, uh, uh, when the author's hand shows itself so much, you, you have to follow the line, you know? Who are we to really uh, investigate? Dave Mandel, Alec Berg, the third one. Um, Je Jeffrey someone? Yeah, sure. We mm. can never know. No. We can never know. Uh, and, and what... And eventually, you know, there's mishaps that end up in, in a horrific stereotype of an eastern european country yeah 
there, there is there's a, a there's a scene where they all get drunk on absinthe and the two twins start making out with each other. Yeah, it's oh god, it's hilarious. That's a uh, man. I I I I just thought there's nothing. As I've said, a lot of this is anti comedy, mm. but I have to say, you know, a, as much as Scotty doesn't know is the absolute nadir of this film, the highest peak was when it was just like, oh yeah. We need something funny to happen. Let's just put some incest in this. Yeah. And then include just an implication that they may have also had sex. Which is, I think, uh, the kind, like, if I was considering all the rape in this film as as a joke, mm. I would consider that a high point, but I just kind of, as a rape. Mm. Um, but, yeah, no, it... It's a real triumph. Yeah. Uh, so, they get to Berlin. Yeah. What happens? Well, it turns out Miki, which is her actual name, not Mike, as Scott so foolishly assumed, yeah. uh, M- uh, M- Miki has gone uh, to Rome. Uh, she's, she's on a short trip. She's going to see the Vatican and some stuff uh, before she goes to Greece uh, to go to university or some shit. And... Uh, and uh, they, uh, yeah, so they, uh, they, uh, they, they, they go to her apartment. They, they find her dad. He tells them this, and so they're like, we've got to get to Rome in the next twelve hours. So uh, the nerd, uh, he sells his camera so they can have some money. They go to Rome. Uh, the nerd uh, pretends to be a tour guide to get them into the Vatican, and but uh, uh, it's worth stressing that also uh, to get into the Vatican, uh, they lie and say that. Cooper is someone uh, with an intellectual uh, development disorder, mm. uh, which they, of course, use the R slur for yeah. in a way that is oh, confronting, you know? It, 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 it speaks to the French new extreme cinema in the way that it takes something so ugly and it's like, what a face this. You know, like like the scene where where Cooper in Amsterdam is having, uh, thinks he's about to have sex with with Lucy Lawless, and is instead just repeatedly sexually assaulted, violate, violently raped. Yeah, yeah, um, like that that uh, that comedy sequence ends with him like chained to uh, cha- like cha- chained to, to to like a metal frame. And a, a, a giant uh, Dutch man w- w- wearing leather pulls out a like giant uh, three pronged uh, dildo jackhammer, and the like final shot is the laser sight mounted on top of the three pronged dildo jackhammer uh, directly on his anus as it's as the camera like moves in towards it, and then it cuts to the next day where Scotty and Jenny are sitting uh, sitting on a bench waiting for their bus, and then he like limps up. And they asked him, oh, what happened to you? And he says, oh, I don't want to talk about it. And like, yeah, because he was just sexually assaulted. And it's, it's like, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a laugh riot from beginning to end. That's such a crunchy idea. Like, yeah, this is how Americans see, like, look at, like, sex in this. Mm. You can end with a scene of people having sex in the Vatican in a confessional booth. Mm. But because it is a, a white man and a white woman, like, that is fine. But the moment people, like, bring some clamps into it, oh, that's abject. 
that's the worst thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and it is so bracing for people to point out that hypocrisy. Yeah. They arrive at the Vatican. Yeah. They subvert papal tradition by accidentally making it seem like the Pope is dead and that one of him has been elected. Scotty steps onto the balcony as the new Pope and sees uh, M- Micah cries out to him. One Italian guy's like, Hey, hey that's a one of crazy Pope. Yeah, it is just finding really crunchy ways to question stereotypes, yeah. you know? And, and of course, uh, they immediately have sex. Even like ending the, 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 this, this like raunchy comedy on 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 like two people fucking in, the, in in a confessional booth in the Vatican has no impact to it. Like it it, it doesn't like it it doesn't feel transgressive at all. It, it, like well, no, because it's there, there, two hot model bods like boning like um, like like this like that just surprises to that because f- you love films that remind us we are flesh right yeah. and, and throughout this film makes sure to remind us throughout that michelle trachtenberg is, is made it, of flesh is nothing but flesh is nothing and it is it is so there's something so subversive in the way they make sure that the camera just Dares at every element the, of, the, her, the, the, of her. There are multiple scenes of this movie where it'll reveal like Michelle Trachtenberg wearing some like new sexy outfit, and then the camera will just zoom in on her cleavage for a while. Yeah, it's it's it is it's so fucking crazy. It sucks so much. Yeah, and they are bringing this to our awareness. It's another masterstroke. But then you know everyone gets happily ever after. Uh, uh, Michelle Trachtenberg and Cooper Cooper of course being uh, a borderline psychopath who makes life worth for everyone is of course rewarded for his just being irritating and bland with with uh, by by sleeping with Michelle Trachtenberg, yeah, by joining the Mile High Club on their on their way home from Europe, and um, the uh, the brother becomes a travel journalist and. Scotty uh, goes to university and he's got a uh, he's he's not met his new roommate. Mm. Oh, and he's just had this email from Mickey saying that she's in she's in Greece and how yeah. great it is. And then there's no, there's a knock at the door. His roommate's finally shown up. He opens the door. It's Mickey, yeah. and he's like, "Oh, well, how did this happen?" And she's like, "Well, they, you know, they they must have thought that they must have thought that I had a man's name." And he's like. Oh, well, who would be dumb enough to think that? And then they make out on the bed and the movie's over. Oh, I mean, no, the movie ends with, uh, the, the movie ends with a fairy uh, who they hallucinated earlier when they were on absinthe, uh, uh, coming back yeah, and yeah. like, oh, this sucks. I wish I could fuck because I'm a fairy. Yeah. Oh, no one wants to fuck me. Fuck, fuck this fucking movie. Oh, I'm out of here. And yeah. he taps his wand and the end appears. It fucking sucks shit. Reminding us of that, oh, performatively lazy Moulin Rouge parody mm. really just drives home that the final gesture of these films is like, look at these vacuous impressions of humans. This is what American entertainment is. It is, uh, this is what we think sex is. Yeah. This is what we think life is. We, we, this is, we end with a scene of uh, Cooper and fucking Michelle Trachtenberg are together now. And it is like, yes, we reward people who work hard by shackling them to 
psychopaths. Yeah, and 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 and, and, and like Cooper's final beat of the movie is yeah. he, he's walk, him him and Jenny are walking through the campus of their university, and he sees a uh, he he sees a living statue. And he just gets immediately furious and picks up a baseball bat yeah. and runs off frame to go and beat this person up. And she yells like, no, Cooper, not again. Yeah, it's incredibly funny. Um, I, and what, but like showing us all those ideas, driving them home. Look at these pieces of meat that because they have the right angles get to fuck. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, how the rest of the world is terrible. Yeah, and and and, 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 and but it, it says, it, it, but yeah. but then reminding us of Moulin Rouge, it is telling us in its final moment, it's not just this film. It echoes, it echoes throughout uh, uh, cinema. Yeah, it, it's indicting everyone, and they make sure to they've got they they then got bloopers, which, which make clear how much more sex-based material was in the film that they cut. And it's a real case of people mm-hmm. being like, yeah, look at how much we degraded people and not even for much use. Yeah. And, and like, what, what, like what, what, watching this after Stalker, I think, like, like, does, like it is, like, really interesting because, like, St- Stalker... Is, is you know is, is a film about people going on a road trip with these like wishes in mind that they have a desire to like have granted yeah and and like they have all, all of these ideas about how they can change their lives about how they can change the world with these wishes that they like currently exist only in their heads and then at the end of the film they cannot get their wishes granted and we are just confronted with the fact that like like that shit like does not just happen and there there, there is no there is no way to escape. Like, there's both no way to escape wishing, it is an essential part of what makes us human, and there's there also, there's no, like, overarching force that cares about our wishes and seeks to grant them. Mm. Whereas this movie, there's a bunch of people who all have uh, wishes, which is uh, they want to fuck or get fucked, and then the movie ends with uh, all of them uh, doing uh, uh, just uh, terrible things to other people. And then uh, being rewarded with their wish uh, and, and their wishes uh, being fulfilled. Yeah, and, and then at the end uh, they'll get to fuck. And and it is the film saying that the 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 id of mainstream media at, at this moment was the wish to fuck. Yeah, and, and what does that mean? What does that engender in people? What does what does the fear of of male intimacy remove? From that, yeah, right? Like, in the same way that the opening scene of Manhunter, they're like first person shot of Francis Dollarhide stalking through that house, like shit shining lights around, working up to murdering that family. That scene like replicates the language of slasher films. Drawing on the, the, like, the like opening scene of the first Halloween movie, but it is draining all of the like lurid fun out of it until it's just until it's just empty and and like harrowing. And this does the same thing with the, like, American teen sex comedy. Yeah. It, it, it takes that genre, it drains all the fun, it drains all the personality out of it, until it is just, here are some tits, 
here are some yeah. more tits here's a fucking rape joke this H- is what he- you he- like yeah. yeah here's some tits and a rape joke at the same time this is what you like this is what you want we're gonna give you so much of it i'm a fan of sleaze in films i'm not afraid to admit it this is uh i've really been less attracted to attractive women in a movie who are naked like yeah. it, it is so deeply unsexy at every single moment like a lot of the time and we've talked about this is like the problem of how do you make a horny film mm. without it being gross yeah and it is like and like the problem a lot of that time is that the grossness is then you're like i kind of get it and this you just say like, you're just being gross it skips yeah. any level of horny so uh yeah uh but is shite i uh, guess is, is what i'm saying yeah. and the thing i want to stress is that like dave mandel worked on they all worked on seinfeld dave mandel show ran uh, uh the good seasons of veep and the only season of Clerks, the animated series, which is a show I genuinely rate. Hmm. And uh, uh, Alec Berg was at Silicon Valley and now co-show runs Barry, which is a show I also rate. And just being like, I get that they were probably just going for a quick buck. Yeah. But it is like American Pie has fucking charm to it and heart. It's so empty. Hmm. God, it's so bleak, and I'm so glad that I no longer have to do the bit where I pretend it's good. Do you want to hear a positive review from social media platform Letterboxd? If you think you can handle it, then I, then I can handle it. Dat Boy Nick 92 This is a five-star review. It starts with a quote. You sick German freak. Homer's Odyssey, please promptly get to fuck. It's time for Frommer's Odyssey, my dudes. What is that? Who's Frommer? That's the guidebook he's, he's reading That's the whole movie. Right, right, yeah, yeah. One of the last great pop punk classics of film. Think American Pie or Dude, Where's My Car? But more owned <clears throat> and ambitious. What? Yeah, I know. Few motion pictures have infected my lexicon in quite the same way as this, and I regret none of it. Oh, I feel uh, very sorry for everyone who has to talk to this person. It's insane how someone in a four-paragraph letterboxed review can fail the psychopath <laughs> test. Also, Coop's t-shirt game is nothing so- short of iconic. Ah, uh, yeah, fuck it. Uh, this film is incredible, and if you don't like it, that's probably because you support Leeds United or something. Grow up. <sighs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, watch, uh, watch more movies. Or, I, actually, you know, maybe fewer. Don't, maybe don't watch any movies. <laughs> yeah, I kind of like... The issue with Eurotrip is that it's like... There's just a way to do this that doesn't suck, and it yeah. wouldn't take much effort. Anyway, do you want to guess Dat Boy Nick's top four films? Uh, yeah, let's do that. One is a remake. Is, is it a remake in the same language? Your only clue is that it's a remake. I need a guess before I can give you another clue. I'm like a goblin. <laughs> a troll, I mean. Okay. Is it West Side Story 2021? Uh, no. It's about the law and conflict. Is it Heat? No. It is 
in some ways, it is hate. It's hate with a different accent and a different plot, basically. But, like, the setup is is the same. The Dark Knight. No, some grey animal imagery in it. Tukibuki. Vera Farmiga. Okay. Oh, it's for Departed. Yeah. Right. There you go. I just, I really thought you might get that from just it being a remake. Mm. Anyway, uh, the next is a film I have not seen, but know I should. Right. It, it's an international film, and uh, uh, it's, it's kind of iconic in the art film world. No, independent film world. It's mm. it's it's not in English. It's uh, from the nineties. Uh, iconic art film from. But like the art film part of it is largely that it's not in English, you know. Right. And it's it's kind of confronting, you know. It's a bit extreme. I understand. France. France. Yeah. Right. All, 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 all of the. Extreme French stuff I can think of is like is two thousands onwards. It's it's kind of maybe kind of more angry than extreme. Okay. Uh, the director Matthew Kasovitz. Okay, I I, I know. I, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I know. I know that name. Uh, oh, right. Uh, it uh, uh, it is Lahaine. Yep. Yeah, ding okay. ding. <clears throat> Next. Uh, shot in 70 mil. Uh, The Revenant. Is that 70? Um, I, I can't remember. I don't. Uh, The Hateful Eight. No. Uh, Interstellar. No. Inherent Vice. No. Uh, is it a, is it a recent 70 mil or an yeah. old? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Tenet. No. Uh, what, 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 uh, what, what was it like really publicized like this is a 70 mil film I, I kind of remember it being but okay. people also there, there are other things I'll give you some cast yeah. uh, Rami Malek Jesse Plemons uh, is this a not at the museum movie <laughs> no. no 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 this is a uh, it's a magnum opus you could just shorten that to just calling it a piece. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. What What am I shortening when I'm when I say we could call it magnum opus or just piece? What am I What am I doing linguistically there? Well, I knew that. I probably would have guessed it by now. <laughs> okay, sorry, Finn. Yeah. How you doing? Oh, I'm fine. Let's talk about consistent, interesting trends mm. uh, uh, across Doctor Who casting. Okay. Uh, in that a lot, a lot of people tend to struggle with the introduction of new iterations of characters. Sure. That it's always kind of unexpected and, and startling, you know, when the Doctor regenerates. And there's, but there, there's a major element... Who who is who's on, who's very present and and is often recast, but but because there are enough gaps that it's never startling. They they're always kind of welcome, and they were in After Earth. The Ursa. Okay. Uh, All right. So the 
Okay, is it a movie by Paul Thomas Anderson? Yes. Is it a master? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Masterpiece. Yeah. Mm. I just had no idea Rami Malek was in that. Neither. <laughs> okay. Uh, this one is a uh, the start of a franchise. Uh, John Wick. No, but it's like in the same kind of house as John Wick. It's pre-John Wick. Taken. No, pre. Pre-Taken. Yeah, yeah. But it it's it's a revenge film. A revenge film? Yeah. Uh, Home Alone. I don't think... Home Alone, to me, is a, a film about domestic terrorism <laughs> and disproportionate response yeah. and, like, stand your ground laws. Uh. Th- this is about, like... And someone wrongs you on that day of all days. Oh, Godfather. No. On that day of all days, you got it. It's revenge time. I think it might, technically it's a Christmas film because it's about someone making a list and checking it twice. Is it Die Hard? No, but also like you're kind, you've got the right kind of title structure. Mm-hmm. And like almost like one of those you could swap for a synonym or, or a related word. That's complicated. This is not Wordle. Start of a franchise. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's an action franchise. Yes. Death Wish. No. Oh. It, it, between its entries, it tends to change genre. They've always to- talked about making more, but they've kept it, the number pretty low. And I mean, oh, actually... Yeah, the lead and the head creative aren't really talking. Let's see what you gave it on Letterboxd. Just a heart. Just a heart, okay. Uh, 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 Can you see uh, how how recently I did that? Uh, I think I can, I just don't... Alright, you marked it as watched three years ago. Alright, yeah. Uh, big cast? Yeah. Or star-studded. Murder on the Orient Express, the one from the 70s. No, 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 no. Nah. This is from the Orts. From the Orts, okay. Yeah, 203. Directed by a spider. Directed by a spider? Yeah. Uh, this is a person whose last name is like Huntsman or something? Yeah, kinda. Okay. Yeah, kinda. Yeah, yeah. It's in this room, not the Huntsman Spider. Good, because I would fucking leave and <laughs> yeah, never no, come back. No. <laughs> you texting Bay? Sure. You wanna express to them that they're a real cutie? What do you text? I mean, spell it out for me. What are you writing down? What What are you writing? I don't. I don't think this one's gonna help. But like, what would you write? How would I know? You are a cute... No, 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 but, like, how would you write that in, like, text speak? I... I'm just trying for you to transliterate a phrase between two modes. Right, so you're saying it's a Tarantino movie? Yes. Okay, Jesus Christ. Um, Right, it's Kill Bill. I was not making it... That was not that difficult. No. No, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's Killville Kill, it's Volume 1. Killian Billiam. Jesus Christ. So, for me, uh, it is at number uh, 109 in between uh, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, and Age of Dragons. Fair. 
Yeah, a bit cruel to Age of Dragons. There, there is nothing in Age of Dragons as good as Scotty doesn't know. Yeah, that's also true. Yeah. Like, p- people always talk about that scene, and it's, it's like kind of a meme in, on, online, and it's like, no, like, it, it's, 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 like, it's not going to be that good a scene. It's like, people have, like, dumb nostalgia for, for this shitty fucking movie, and then the scene, and then that song starts, and you, you like, and it's like, it's a, like, it's a fun, catchy pop punk song with a really funny central joke, and they just, they just, like, they, they, they just pull it off. And you're like, yeah, I can see why people are nostalgic for this scene. This scene's great. Yeah. So, Finn. Yes. Finland n- Nickelness. Yeah. Where can people find you online? Uh, who gives a shit? Uh, you can find the show on Twitter at ShiteSoundPod, or you can email us at ShiteSoundPod at gmail.com. Why not check out our website? It's at ShiteAndSound.com. If you like what I do, follow me on Twitter or Instagram. I'm at YouthaLives. Put a bit.ly in front of that, and you'll sign up for my newsletter. I have two other podcasts. One's called The Witching Hours. Uh, it's an eerie audio anthology and uh the other is called the slow path where me and my partner briar watch doctor who until we die our theme song is the nux by kazam blam you can check him out on Bandcamp. or if you want to see them get shouted at by bennett cumberbatch check out hour of the dog and if you want to see them shout at people it's cousins it, there's a lot of good shouting content for Richard Faulkner heads out there. Any hoomst. Um, what are we watching next week, Finn? Uh, next week, we are watching Mulholland Drive by David Lynch and I Know Who Killed Me by whoever directed the Lindsay Lohan classic, I Know Who Killed Me. Okay, so I look forward to another three-hour episode, which is two and a half hours of talking about Mulholland Drive. <laughs> What a film! Yeah. I look forward to it. A, a film I've seen uh, three times. Don't don't really understand it well, but but you get it, right? The, you know I the mean, feeling the, of it. Right? I, I, I I know that it's a film about uh, about having your girlfriend killed and feeling bad about it. I'm not fully sure, but but goddamn it, fucking works. We'll, we'll we'll talk more about that next week. If you like the show, tell your friends. Yeah, we're in acquired taste. But uh, it'd be great if more people can acquire it. Leave us a review. Why not uh, send out a tweet uh, uh, or, you know, Facebook post or Telegram parlor. Uh, 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 l- get on Gab and tell people about us. <laughs> uh, uh, TikTok. Uh, you can do all that. And you do it with this week's uh, hashtag, which is... Get on Gab. <laughs> hashtag... Um, look, like, like, look. Okay, N- now, now that Marjorie Taylor the Green's been banned from Twitter, we can only we 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 can only get her to become a listener for for, for content here on Gab, and that's that's what's most important to us. <laughs> well, yeah, this, is, this has been a shell game the whole time, and the thing under the shell is us attempting to radicalize Marjorie Taylor Green again, but this time towards. Just like being a human, we're like radicalizing her by adding feelings to her life. God damn it! Oh, what an absolute! Do you know what film I bet she loves? What Eurotrip? <laughs> this this week's hashtag, which is Andre Tarkov, Andre Andre Tiktovsky, Andre Take Off Your Topski. Mm-hmm. Uh, a wubba jubba. Yep. 
Oh yeah, there's a lot of boobs. We didn't really talk about how much. And the un- mm-hmm. there there's some boobs, and in, in the unrated version, it's just all boobs, mm-hmm. and it is just so. It's just charcuterie. It's just mm-hmm. it's just meat, and it's so yep. arousing. I just Finn. Yes. You know, we 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 edge around uh, uh, like our sexual peccadilloes. I mean, you do. I'm pretty I'm pretty blunt, but that's because I can't really have a filter look I mean uh, look on, on the I know the Kerry Coon thing yeah, is yeah, what yeah, I'm I alluding see, I see, to I see the Kerry Coon thing <laughs> but we should both agree that the hottest thing is when a filmmaker just cuts to a lazily framed shot of a bunch of models with their baps out and they're all being like hey blah, blah, and like they're dumb heads and you're mainly just there to look and yep. at their bodies because who cares about the content of of any of them yep. and that like that doesn't just get me rock hard that gets me like diamond hard I've broken through safes how hard do you get <laughs> <laughs> and scene <laughs> movies are good even bad ones go, go watch them What does a dog barking ode to joy sound like? I'll, 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 do, a, I'll do a cat meowing ode to joy. Oh, yeah, sure yeah. does. Which famous cinematic cat, though? Is it Deja Vu? <laughs> yeah, no, it's Deja Vu from, from A Matrix Resurrections. Meow, 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 meow. Meow 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 meow